Faith, love, integrity, courage. Four key values of great leaders all around the world. I'm Phil Swanson, and I'm on a mission to bring you leaders from all walks of life and arm you with the tools and mindset to lead effectively in whatever you are called to do. Are you ready? Because it's time to go lead everyone. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of GLE. As you go lead everything today, just remember, the Go Lead Everything podcast only grows by word of mouth. If you get value from the show, share it out either on social or directly with somebody you think might appreciate it. Give it a follow, subscribe, rate, review on all the platforms. Even if you don't frequent those platforms, it helps the show grow. We're on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and most importantly, take the lessons you learn from the show and implement them into your life. Great ideas are meaningless without great execution. You probably know the saying, knowledge is power. Well, I say knowledge is only potential energy. It's only powerful when acted upon. So today, as you go, act on the knowledge, implement these nuggets into your life, and share the show. I am pumped for today's show, y'all. We have a leader, an entrepreneur. He is the CEO of Genesis Power Solutions. This guy has knocked on over 85,000 doors, either personally recruited or supported the recruitment of over 800 salespeople. And his teams have generated more than $150 million in revenue. He's an extremely skilled communicator, got so much leadership wisdom to share, and considers it his calling in life to help others discover and experience their greatness. He also has an awesome name and even better initials. Thrilled to have another PS on the show today. Peter Swenson, welcome to GLE. Hey, it's good to be here. I think that was the uh, the first interaction that we had included, hey, you got a nice name. It sounds like mine, <laughs> right? <laughs> right, exactly. You know, you don't, you meet some Swansons, not many Swensons. I don't know a bunch of Swensons. It kind of depends also on what Swedish? Part of the country you're in. Yeah, yep, Swedish. Yeah, yeah. same same so. origin, I imagine. Um, well, great to have you, Peter. Uh, before we jump in, y'all go follow Peter. He's on, on Instagram, P as in Paul, V as in Victor, Swenson, S-W-E-N-S-O-N. You know, you can find him, Peter Swenson, on LinkedIn, Facebook, his company, at Genesis Power Solutions, um, or www.gpssolar or excuse me, www.gps.solar. There it is. And uh, I'm really excited to get into it today with you, Peter. Now, you know, 85,000 doors is, uh, you know, quite the uh, historical experience for somebody. How did yeah. you get into that world? Just give me a kind of the the overview of your story and, and for our audience as we're kicking this off. Yeah. I So when I was 19, I was uh, pre-med. In college, my sophomore year, I still thought I was going to be a doctor, and uh, I met Ochem that year, and decided shortly after, you know, meeting Ochem that I wasn't going to be a doctor. So I, my my plans kind of changed, and I uh, after my sophomore year, my cousin had recommended that I meet with his his friend who did this crazy door to door job during the summers, selling books. I came to find out it's a publishing company based in Nashville. Uh, it's actually the oldest direct sales company in America. So the company's name is Southwestern. They are in Nashville. And when it was founded, the company was in the Southwest corner of America. Mm. That's why it's called Southwestern. There and it was, 
Civil War veterans selling Bibles to pay for college. That's where it started. Wow. And then um, even to today, they have college students that sell books and now educational packages and coaching and software door to door. So I, I did that for three summers while I was in school. And the schedule for that job was, was crazier than the job itself, I would say. It was part of what made the job crazy. We woke up and took a cold shower at 6 a.m. And we were we we drove out to a breakfast spot with a few roommates. Uh, you leave that breakfast spot about 25 minutes after you get there, and you are knocking on your first door, that first prospect, by 7.59 a.m. Wow. And then you work until 9.31 p.m. So you never start at 8. You always start before. You never stop at 9.30. You always start stop after. Mm-hmm. So 13 and a half hours a day, six days a week, wow. which is a crazy amount of work. And mm-hmm. I finished my first summer in a state of shell shock. And But it was after that summer that I began to notice like my perception of the world, of adversity, of challenge, money, sales, communication, it had all shifted so dramatically. Right. And I, I like to say I developed a healthy addiction to, to personal growth and development. And it started, it started there. You know, for me, that was, that was fake. Um, I was, you know, lucky enough to be valedictorian. I say lucky because I think a lot of it had to do with my aptitude more than my work ethic. You know, there's, there's definitely, it took work, but I know other people that worked a lot harder than me and knocking on doors and sales business, as you probably know, that's not something that you can fake. You've Mm -hmm. got to put in the sweat equity. And I, I discovered what that felt like in the business world. And then I, I stuck around and did that for many, many years and that evolved. And there's, you know, some bumps in the road we can dive into if you wanted to, but Uh, that evolved into home security. So I I knocked on doors uh, for another five or six years with home security and then got into upper leadership and regional management, divisional management leadership. And two and a half years ago, left that business and launched Genesis uh, with my brother, you know, my best friend apart from my wife. Mm -hmm. And he and I have been in business and done life together the the entire time. And and with another partner, uh, we've done a little over 80 million in sales in the first two and a uh, little under two and a half years. So we're cruising, we're growing. And, you know, but I view business and more specifically sales and direct sales, especially as what I saw and discovered as 19, a vehicle mm-hmm. to chisel yourself inside of, an opportunity to go battle that inner ego every single day and, and the judgment and the, the internal questions and the challenge and the adversity you find out what you're made of and mm-hmm. some people come back for more. And so I, I came back for more for a long time. And then I discovered in the entrepreneurial world, it, it's, it's a lot more of the same opportunity. You, you begin to have more holistic growth. It's not just sales and sales leadership. It's, it's more holistically it's business and marketing and accounting and managing people that aren't just commissioned. So I, you know, I've got a whole nother future of, of evolution in front of me as we build Genesis, but that's, wow, that's my man. short professional story. Yeah, crazy story, dude. How you were doing cold showers and cold plunge before it was even cool. Yeah. How did, yeah, how so did that, that happen? What who was making you do that? So Southwestern, I mean, their their culture is I mean, they I'll say this tongue in cheek. They put the cult in culture, right? It is like 6 a.m. <laughs> cold showers, you're dancing. Yeah. You're like dancing and and shouting chants in right, the parking right. lot of your breakfast spot every day. Like they they know how to like Tony Robbins would call it now, getting in state right. um, and shifting your physiology, shifting your you know, the biochemistry in your brain. Sure. 
they may have not described it that way, but that's what we did. And and they had been doing that for years and years and years and years and years. They still take cold showers today. I'm, and I think, you know, I'm, I'm in the midst of a, I think I'm 14 days in now to a, um, at least the 30 day challenge that I set for myself to do a cold plunge every morning. So I'm in my 48 degree pool for about three minutes that's and awesome. that, uh, yeah, flashbacks to college. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I'm doing a similar thing with cold showers. I was just up in Michigan not too long ago and, uh, those cold showers up there hit a little different though. They're it's not no quite joke. the same as a cold plunge all the way yeah. in, but, uh, but, but it's cold. Texas, Texas at least has a bit chillier water than Arizona. You come to the, you know, summertime in Arizona and it's right. not even a cold shower. You can't do it. So, right. It's like, I, I need warm. to get, yeah, my, yeah. my ambition is to get a cold plunge, a legitimate one now before it gets too warm out because I, I think I'm addicted to the, the adrenaline and the serotonin and just all of that, that right. boost in the morning. It feels good, right? Like most people think it's crazy, but the, the mental like exercise similar to your experience kind of chiseling yourself with door to door sales, you know, it's just kind of like, okay, I don't want to do this, but I'm not going to hesitate and I'm just going to do it anyway. Yeah. Like just that mental repetition of doing something you don't want to do kind of just, it trains that discipline muscle that so many people kind of never build. Don't you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I've done a bunch of Tony Robbins courses and the most recent one I did business mastery. Okay. Because I've heard Tony say this phrase that I'm about to tell you many, many times. You, I mean, it, it's recorded in all sorts of videos, but when he said it this time, it just struck me different. So there's two things that happened to get to, to have me make the decision to get into my pool every morning right now at, at 48 degrees. Number one is that I had a friend tell me that he did it in December and for a month straight. And I'm like, that actually sounds pretty cool. And honestly, I've thought about doing that. I've never done it. Right. I've jumped in my pool, but you know, once a winter and I've done do cool showers, but it's not quite the same thing that it is. Right. The cold plunge is significantly more intense than a cold shower. Mm -hmm. But in Tony Robbins course, he talked about cold plunging. He's done it for 15 or 20 years, every single morning. He's got one in every home that he owns. And, uh, he said he doesn't negotiate with myself. He's like, I've never wanted to get into the thing. I've never wanted to, I didn't wake up wanting to get into the cold plunge, mm -hmm. but I've many, many years ago decided I do not negotiate with myself. Mm -hmm. And it was funny because I, I've heard him say that before. I, you know, I understand the concept. We always negotiate with ourselves, right? It's the little voice in your head. But it, mm -hmm. when he said that, it, it, it struck something newly. And I can't remember the, the Greek poet or philosophers that, that said this phrase, but um, there's a phrase you may have heard, no man ever steps into the same river twice, for mm -hmm. it is not the same river and he is not the same man. And something about when Tony said this to me, it like just, it clicked and I realized the, the bickering in my head that, that sometimes, oftentimes I'll lose that battle, right? If we get into this discussion or in negotiation with the voice in our head, we oftentimes lose because it's speaking from, you know, the egoic place and it's seeking comfort in it. But if you recognize that the negotiation itself is already a loss, that's what clicked for me. I mean, mm -hmm. the refusal to negotiate was a thing I hadn't considered. I tried to to win in that negotiation, right? But you don't you don't win enough to ever get the benefit of uh, of that of that battle. So, like in that moment, I'm like, all right, cold plunge here I come, right? And I've been practicing that concept now of of not trying to battle or or win the battle, mm -hmm. but to shut the battle down, right? And just say out loud sometimes. I refuse to negotiate. With, I refuse to negotiate with myself and go do the thing. Right. Yeah, I love that. That's absolutely awesome advice. I don't. I don't think many people are even aware that they have that internal dialogue. They're not, they're probably not even conscious of it. And you know, recently, 
you know, I've been implementing some similar sort of routine type of things in my, in my schedule. Cause I had to get like real with myself, you know, I've kind of gone on this pseudo entrepreneurial journey the last couple of years. And, you know, if you really want to accomplish things that are significant, you know, significant beyond just average results, you, you got to do the work, right? There's no, there's no yeah. faking it. You said it at the beginning. Yeah. And so uh, this line from Jordan Peterson, I'm not sure if you're a Jordan Peterson fan or not, Huge. but um, he has this uh, piece of advice where he's like, if you, if you don't think you know what you need to do, just go in your bedroom and sit on your bed and just think, you know, think in, in quiet by yourself for a minute and try to think of one thing that you know you need and could and should implement in your life. And you know, if you did, your life would be better and, and just go do it. And you probably won't want to do it. You probably won't necessarily like it if you sit and kind of negotiate with yourself too long. But, you know, I thought it was a really good exercise. And I went through it recently and had it, you know, that's part of the reason I've, I've made some changes and started getting up earlier and, and trying to just implement and, and build discipline and consistency. Cause I, you know, I kind of woke up and realized all my years through sports and, you know, you in your early days of, uh, of sales, right? They made you do the cold plunge, right? Yeah. So now it's like, okay, how do I make myself get up at five or get up at four and, and do those hard things that made me think I was disciplined back in the day, but it was like an, you know, I had an external motivation, coaches telling me to do it, punishment if I didn't show up on time. Right. It, and then when I grew up into, you know, adulthood, I never built that discipline and, and I really lost that discipline along the way, or maybe even never really had it. So, so, you know, building consistency and, and discipline is just so huge. Have you been the type of guy that's had a consistent routine over your life? And, and if so, or if not, how has that helped you or hindered you? It's a really good question. The answer is to most people would look at my life and any month, three month or year segment they would say that I am pretty regimented. I've got a good schedule. But if I was to compare, you know, month by month by month, it's constantly shifting. And I definitely have moments when I fall off the horse. It's something mm -hmm. that I that I still struggle with today is is reminding myself that it, you know life is a game of recovery. And just like golf, you're if you're winning at some point, I mean, if you're winning, you're gonna win until you fail. And right. if you allow that failure to be your new reality rather than just brushing it off, getting up and starting again, you know, people get stuck for right. their, for lifetimes, right? Yeah. Because they didn't do it perfect or they fell off the horse. So I'm a guy like right or wrong, I fall off the horse a lot. I also get back on and I oftentimes get back on bigger horses. Um, you know, my cold plunge right now is something that I'll, I'll do probably until the pool gets warm. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got my workout regimen. I am a big believer in the value of a morning routine. Right now I spend time you know, in, in the word of the Bible, three or four days a week, ideally mm -hmm. it's seven, but truthfully, it's probably three or four. Mm -hmm. um, ideally I'm working out five days a week, but typically it's three. Uh, but the, the structure for that schedule, right? The, the uh, thoughtful intention I've put into designing my schedule helps me to remember the value of those pieces of it. And th that's where I, I tend to find a lot of values. If, if I've done thoughtful creation of my ideal schedule, right? Mm -hmm. Assuming I ha didn't have four kids that have random things happening and uh, different meetings or events that I've got uh, to fit into a traditional schedule. 
if I can come up with my ideal schedule, which is a right. practice that I do consistently, mm -hmm. I have a deep understanding of the value of every part of that of, of the day. And mm -hmm. if I have to miss it, I didn't just fall off the wagon for five weeks or for five mm -hmm. months. I, I'm much better at getting back on mm -hmm. a day later if I've right. if I've thought through the value. That's really good advice. So many people are so quick to just stop or quit or give up or oh, I blew it, and then they. You know, they, they live in this guilt or shame or despair or, you know, why bother as opposed to just being able to just, like you said, recover and hop back on. That's such good advice. I've struggled with that a ton. And, Alex Hermosi, uh, you know who Alex Hermosi is? I, yeah, Hermosi Nation. Yeah. I, love, yeah. I love Alex. So he, he, he said he's got tons of brilliant content, but one of the things that hit hard a couple of years ago, the first time I heard it was this concept. He said, mm -hmm. if you are so regimented in your schedule or in your workout exercise regimen or your diet that when you fall off, it's a big deal and you make it this big thing, you're almost better off not having that in the beginning to begin with. Right. Because when you right. fall off, you're off as opposed to recognizing this is just a daily practice mm -hmm. and your life's going to be full of these moments where it's not perfect. And the job, right. your job is to recover quick and get back on. Right. Yeah, that's such good advice. I love it. I love it. So let's switch gears to you mentioned your morning study. I know you're a man of faith and you're a family man, four kids. That is impressive. Yeah. I know being a dad of one, I can only you imagine how hard it is to keep a regimented routine with four. Um, so how did you start your faith journey? Maybe let's give a give the audience an overview of of your yeah. faith journey and we can kind of see where we go from there. Yeah. So I grew up going to church in a Lutheran church in rural Minnesota, a town of 2,400 people. And it was very much, you know, church was a thing we did. It was a place we went on Sundays. And I, I don't think that I, I didn't experience a deep relationship with God, but I did feel connected. When I went to college, I went to a, a private Catholic uh, college. And so I, I definitely didn't connect to Catholicism. And that was beginning of, of probably when I started questioning my faith in general. Uh, a couple years later, I watched some documentaries on YouTube called Zeitgeist, which were very intriguing. It was about the Federal Reserve and about a whole bunch of conspiracy-esque type of things, which, you know, if, if I prefer to call that critical thinking, I think there's some very good questions that that can be asked and are hard to answer. But one of the one of the focal points of that uh, documentary series was Christianity. And, and it just had me ask really, really tough questions mm -hmm. of, of myself about my faith, about Christianity, about organized religion in general. And I came to the conclusion that it was all man-made. I mean, God, I, I felt God enough in my life to believe that, that there was a, a universal, you know, entity, uh, God, a creator. But beyond that, I figured that human beings had made the rest up in their search for significance and meaning and the value to society and, and everything else. And, and I mm -hmm. could, could go on longer about all of those thoughts. And so for 13 years, that's where I stayed. I, I didn't wow. call myself, I blended in with Christians the entire time. I remember having uh, my parents from Minnesota down to Arizona, where I've now been for 14 years. And my dad was staying, my dad and mom were staying with us after we had our first child. And I was, we got into a conversation about faith and he asked me at one point if I considered myself Christian. And, and I said that I, that I knew my faith through Christ, but that 
I didn't consider myself Christian. Like I, I, I had a relationship with God because of Christianity, but that I wasn't, I mean, I, I didn't believe. And I, he didn't sleep that night. That was, I mean, I still don't remember. I still will not forget this. Like the next morning I wake up, I'm bright eyed, bushy tailed. He looks like he's, I mean, stayed up all night crying, mm -hmm. which is basically what had happened. And I, I felt I could feel his love and compassion for me. And that, that, and many, many other times, you know, I wanted to believe in some ways I wanted to forget so that I could believe just because it would be easier. Sure. But I, I, I never wanted to believe so that I could have something that I felt like I was missing. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't until later that I, that I really got, came to terms with the fact that I was, I had a void uh, in my, in my life that wasn't being filled by any of my attempts to find a relationship with God through nature, through yoga, through prayer, through blending in with Christians. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't, it wasn't real. And that, that didn't really hit me. There's two, three, two or three events. I've worked with personal coaches. I've, I've paid coaches performance and personal and uh, for almost a decade now, it's been an incredible investment and I've gotten ton of value out of those relationships, much of it business and, and much of it non-business. One of those uh, relationships, a good friend of mine still, Chip, I had been working through some work stuff and and there was a conversation we had where it just it became really evident to both of us in this conversation that I I was getting clear that I that I was missing this relationship with God. He's a very spiritual man. Mm -hmm. I don't know that he is Christian, but but spiritual for sure. And in that conversation he said, Peter your next big breakthrough, the next, this next big journey of your life, the next evolution, it's going to be spiritual. I can tell. And I, and I, and I believed him when he said it, I felt it. And, uh, two, two other things. One of them I, I don't often share, but I'll, I'll just share it for the sake of, of, I'm not, I'm not afraid to share my full story. So I'm like, keep it real on GLE. I love it, man. It is. Uh, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of an odd thing, but I, I was laying in bed shortly after that conversation with Chip and, and I had committed to him and to myself. I don't, you know, I don't know what it means, but I am ready to find faith. I'm ready to find a real relationship with God. I don't know if that means I'm going to be Buddhist or, you know, Christian kind of seems most obvious because I grew up that way and a lot of America's that way in my family. And, but I didn't really know where I just knew that I was ready to walk that path. And I was laying in bed one night, not quite asleep, uh, I mean, definitely not asleep because I was fully aware of everything. And uh, at that, I've slept for a long time with like my ankles crossed and my hands on my chest, kind of like a mummy. Oh, really? And and I felt in a, a very, very real experience of the presence of God. I mean, my wife's sleeping right next to me. I'm laying there. My eyes are shut, but I'm I'm not asleep. And I just feel this presence. Mm -hmm. And And I said, you know, I said, prove it. In my mind, I, I didn't say it out loud, but it was very conscious, like prove it. Mm -hmm. And I felt significant pressure um, on my on the on my tops of my feet or my ankles and my hands, which is, I guess, what I interpreted to be where you know the nails would have gone, um, mm -hmm. you know, when Christ was on the cross. And and it didn't disappear. It was you know, it felt like a minute or so. It was just an intense pressure. And, I, and I, I, I definitely believe in the power of hypnotism and we can put ourselves into hypnotic state. So I, I don't know if that was God or if that was me, but mm -hmm. it was real to me for sure. Mm -hmm. And that was another big moment because I'm like, okay, there's maybe there's maybe somebody's pursuing me as well. Maybe it's not just me pursuing God. Maybe, maybe God's pursuing me. Mm -hmm. And so then fast forward 
about six months and I am maybe it's eight months from, from that point. I am now, uh, working in the home security space that I'd been for a decade prior, the organization that I built. And we had six years of growth, um, same time that nearly every other region of, of salespeople was, was diminishing for one reason or another we grew. And, but at the end of that, when there was really nobody left, but us, we started shrinking as well. And this year I was back out in the field. So I told you, I, I kind of got off the field at one point. Now I'm back in the field. I've got four kids in Arizona. Wow. I am back in the field. And what that means is I'm living with five or six college age students in Texas in an Airbnb for, you know, three to four, two to four weeks at a time. And wow. as I, you know, I'm in the Airbnb, I'm knocking on doors, I'm leading the, the meetings and the trainings and realizing that this thing that I'd built, that I've spent 15 years of my life building a, you know, a direct sales, a business and an organization. And I've identified as this guy for such a long time. And not only has what I've, what I built kind of crumbled or it's on, it's on the verge of, of having to get rebooted from the ground up. And, mm -hmm. and the guy who I thought I was, was, you know, I've not accomplished that. And I remember vividly, you know, going to church. Cause again, I, I blended in and I was, I was seeking, I was looking for faith, but I, I didn't, I certainly didn't know how I could ever believe it again. I'm like, I, right. I can't just strip away these good questions. I can't just fake my way back in a relationship with God. But I went to a church that morning, altar call as usual for as long as I can remember every time good or bad altar call, I always felt a desire, but never, you know, never a willingness, but always a desire. Mm -hmm. And same thing that day. And I got back to this Airbnb and I'm taking a shower, listening to some loud meditative music. And, uh, and I just got crushed. I, 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 um, you know, I started crying. I was just overwhelmed with the, the, the experience that I, this identity and the life that I had tried to form, it was around something that I had made up, right? My definition, my definition of success. Mm -hmm. my definition of impact, my definition of contribution. And, and I, and certainly to some degree I'd been wrong. I I'd been wrong about strategy, maybe wrong about the company, maybe wrong about the industry or about the people. And what I'd been aligning my life to was, was dissolving. And I, I didn't want the weight of having to decide what my life should be about on my shoulders anymore. And it just, it was, it felt like a really heavy burden that I'd never noticed before. Mm -hmm. And I got on my knees naked in a cold, taking a cold shower, by the way, on my knees, music blasting, <laughs> arms in the air. And I, and I said it, I didn't even, I don't even like, I wanted to, I was ready to believe, but I didn't believe yet. But I, I said the words, you know, I give up, I give in God, I, I'm ready to, to follow you and love you. And I don't, I don't know if that means this seems kind of crazy, but I'm in it's basic paraphrasing what I said. And, wow. and nothing miraculous happened, right? Angels didn't blow trumpets from heaven. And I, I didn't wait, you know, we didn't just have a tremendous summer and everybody smiled and sang Kumbaya. <laughs> but if in my journey, if I had been comparing it to like a game of, you know, a football field, mm -hmm. you know, I had been slowly, slowly, slolly moving my way to the, to the um, 50 yard line. And that moment of surrender for me was maybe two inches, right? I maybe went six inches, but I got over the 50 mm -hmm. and, and my heart began to, to open like the burden began to lessen. And I, I did some things that I had never considered before, which is read, read some of the 
incredible books that have been written by former atheists who became Christian because they actually researched and looked for the tough answers uh, or the good answers to the tough questions. So I read C.S. Lewis, right? Uh, Mere Christianity. Great book. It like blew my mind. It, if that, if I got to the, you know, if I was at the 49 yard line, that one took me to the one, like yeah. I got it all of the, and I felt so stupid, Phil, because I had, I had spent 13 years like avoiding answers to the questions that originally tore me away from my faith. Wow. And you've heard the idiotism, you know, smart men learn from their own mistakes. Mm-hmm. Wise men learn from the mistakes of others. Mm-hmm. And the kind of the ugly part about my beliefs for such a long time is I would have, I would have said maybe quietly to myself that I'm too smart to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not going to fall for it. Sure. And I, I wish I had been more wise because had I sought wisdom from others, I don't think I would have wandered for so long. Mm-hmm. I got baptized shortly after my wife wow. also read me your Christianity fell on her knees and gave her life to Christ, you know, wow. in our kitchen <laughs> uh, right after I read the book. Uh, we, I baptized her a few moments after I was baptized. Wow. And, you know, we're now active in our faith. I've got a, a, a live and living relationship with God. I, I understand the, well, I understand. I think I understand. I, I'm beginning to understand the nature of the relationship that God wants to have with, with me and with all of us. And, uh, you know, through C.S. Lewis, I, you know, specifically, I'll wrap up with this as I was always stuck on Christianity being so much about Christ. I'm like, can we just agree that God is amazing and Christ was good and we don't have to just talk about him so much and you, you know, right. say his name over and over. And like, I just, I was like re- repulsed by that. And, and I understand now that like Jesus was just, he's just necessary for us to have an eternal relationship with God. With God. Mm-hmm. It's C.S. Lewis explores that in powerful, powerfully. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I could go on for a long time, but that's an amazing story, Peter. Amazing. I'm here now and I'm never yeah. leaving. So my, my oh. touchdown. So to, to finish my, my, uh, metaphor right now, I'm in the end zone and we get to do a touchdown dance till the there day we go. die. Right. That's so awesome, it's, man. it's fun. That's awesome. So, you know, so many things come to mind as you're telling that story. It's a powerful uh, testimony. And, um, you know, I, I think as you were thinking about, you know, I'm too smart to be a Christian. I, you know, I think, um, I was, it's funny. I was just on a, on a plane with a guy who considers himself agnostic and we had a a great conversation, but you know, everybody who has struggled with their faith, I think always has a similar thought to that. And, and it's like a, a pride cometh before a fall thing or, yeah. you know, you're either you're either making a God of something else or you're or typically typically you're making a God of yourself. Right. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to trusting in a true, you know, a true God. And and if you make a God of yourself and knowing that we're imperfect, it's it's like, how do you yeah. even trust yourself? You can't even trust yourself to keep your daily habits consistently. Right. Yeah. Like it's uh it's pretty amazing that that story and, and just kind of how it came full circle. And it, you know, it's funny. I baptized my wife too. Okay. Um, so, uh, we have that in common. That's kind of cool. That's you, don't awesome. meet, you don't meet somebody else that, uh, baptize their spouse every day, but yeah, CS Lewis is great. Not many people, um, should probably recommend him to, uh, to that guy I was speaking with on the plane. Cause CS Lewis, you know, sought out to disprove Christianity. Yeah. 
and ended up converting himself by studying God's yes. word. Right. So many have. <laughs> right. Like so many have. Sure. When that you're like, okay, I, what's the likelihood? Because in the beginning of my journey, one of the things that struck me is what's the likelihood that I'm, I happen to be the one that gets it better than anybody mm -hmm. else, right? Because whether you are your own God or you've designed your own religion, you've designed your right. set of beliefs. I mean, if, if, if you were to ask me what I believed was true about religion, about Christianity, about God, mm -hmm. I could have written a lot of stuff. And at the end of it, you're like, well, that's sounds like the religion of Peter. What's the likelihood that you're right. more right than the billions of people and the thousands of years of, of history in, in of Christianity? It's even from a prop, you know, probability standpoint, it's, it's mm -hmm. microscopic, the chance. Yeah. It's non-existent. I love it, man. Well, thanks be to God that he found his lost sheep, Peter Swenson, and his wife. Yeah. And, um, you know, seek and ye shall find, right? So those out there, if you're doubting your faith out there in the GLE Nation, seek, you know, just seek it out. Go go study on yeah. your own and and search for the answers. The search for truth is, is the search we all should be on. It's the one I'm on. I, I know Peter's on the same one. And um, we got to have truth. You got to have a firm foundation of truth to stand on. Otherwise, you can't stand for anything, right? When mm -hmm. times get tough. So uh, I absolutely love that. Uh, you also mentioned earlier, like just the, like how valuable it's been investing in yourself and mentors. And I, I think most who have like the uh, go to college get a good job mentality, which is all good. You know, they're willing to take out a huge loan and invest into this college education. Right. But when mm -hmm. it comes to actually investing money in other coaching or other resources to improve themselves along the way, they seem to have like a big hesitation. Can you give some context or maybe some experiences you've had, you know, investing in yourself that's really just, you know, created huge, tremendous leaps or value in your life? Yeah more than I can possibly count. And in almost every part of my life, there's been tremendous impact. And that is, so I'll, I'll maybe I'll choose a couple of big ones, but I've been a, a participant in ongoing education courses and events for, you know, since I, I really say it started with the, the events and the training that I got when I was knocking on doors as a college student. But shortly after I got to Arizona, um, I, I participated in the Landmark Forum. Landmark has been around for, you know, 20 or 30 years. Uh, I, part, uh, you know, I, I participated, I think in a dozen or so courses over a 10 year period. Um, I've been to six, seven, eight different Tony Robbins events at this point. And on top of that, um, another half a dozen one-time events or courses and personal and professional coaches for 80% of the last decade as well. So I've, and I continue to pour um, money and resources and time into that. Mm -hmm. And part of the reason is because when you look at when you look at top performers, whether it's an athlete, a, a business professional, somebody in really any iconic performer or or substantive leader, they have coaches. They have a team of people that helps them to be who it is they are. Mm -hmm. And it's just hard to argue against that. If it, now, if you don't believe that you're meant for significant impact on the planet or in your community, then maybe that's the cop out. But I think we're all made for a lot more than we realize. And there's many different versions and levels of coaching. It doesn't have to be one-on-one -on -one even. There's a tremendous amount of content 
you know, Jordan mm -hmm. Peterson is a good example. Like you said, yeah. you've got access to the most brilliant minds on the planet at the right. tip of your fingers for free. Just costs you that one Netflix show that you shouldn't be watching in the first place. That's the cost. Right. Uh, right. But I've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars and I've gotten back uh, many more times than that. Mm -hmm. A couple examples. Uh, one of them, right after I fell to my knees in that summer, I was, I was also in an entrepreneurship course. And okay. I, I didn't realize that I was going to start a solar company or leave the alarm company that I was with. But there was one question. I can't remember a lot of that course. It was very, very good. I, I'd pick out some things from memory, but there's one question that was asked, one assignment that was given that completely altered what, what my life has looked like for the last three years. And that's what you're looking for in these coaching relationships or right. these courses. You're not going to take away everything. You can't. But if there's one or two impactful questions or slight direction, it can change the course of your life. So for me, it was if everything that you currently knew as your business today evaporated now, what would you do tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for the sake of your life, your family, and your future? And it wasn't, it wasn't a hypothetical, what do you think you'll do next in life? And what's your, no, it is from a very practical, pragmatic sense at 7 a.m. tomorrow morning when you wake up with nothing in terms of your career and whatever you have in terms of savings, what are you gonna do? And I went home, I still remember standing in my pool with my wife and I was mm -hmm. explaining this question. I said, I know the answer. I would learn everything I need to know about the solar industry and figure out if it's as good as I think it might be. Frankly, it's, if it's, I mean, I've kind of been selling myself that it's not that good, but that's because I've got this confirmation bias because I'm, I'm in a competing business of sorts. Right. And because there's a lot of direct sales in, in solar and in sure. uh, home security. So right. like that, that was a singular question and the answer of it had me go and, and have a few hour long conversations with friends and within a half a day from that moment, I knew what I was doing. I was leaving what I had had, the security and the nest egg and the residual from that wow. company. And I was starting something from wow. scratch. I mean, that, that's an example. And it's been, you know, we've, we've got over 100 people on our team and, and you know, we've serviced over 2,000 families. We have huge ambitions. None of that would have been, well, had I not been open-minded and, and looking for the right questions to ask. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's another one. I could give so many. Uh, on a personal note, the landmark uh, and and coaches that I've had that have done that work, you know, it, they help to examine what are your preconceived notions and what they would call your filters for how you listen to people. So, mm -hmm. um, when I when I first took the landmark forum, I, I'm I'm sitting in this room and they're talking about filters. I'd never heard that name before, but they said a filter is how you hear somebody. So, with, today it's a bit more common to talk about this. The transformation yeah. is not a weird word. It's it's everywhere. Right. Sure. But 20 years ago, it wasn't everywhere. Tony Robbins, Landmark, a few places talked about it, but it wasn't everywhere. Mm -hmm. And they were describing a filter and they said, look, you might have a, your mom might call. She, because the, the forum leader was talking with a gentleman in the front complaining about his mom. She's, and he said, my mom nags at me all the time. She said, look, your mom <laughs> might call you on your birthday and say, happy birthday, honey, I love you. But because of your filter, all you yeah. hear is nag, 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 you're right. getting older. <laughs> and... My mom's a saint in my mind. So I, in my mind, I was like, that's not my mom. But it did click in that yeah. one. I'm like, oh, interesting. My girlfriend, it has been quite an egg for quite some time. That, and then the next thing, like the second thought in an instant is what if that's not true? Mm. What if she's not? And sometimes I used a, you know, a, 
probably a five letter word with a B, not, not the NAG word. And like, that's the ugly truth of probably what I thought about our relationship. It was not going to last. And I heard about this thing called a filter. I realized I've been filtering my girlfriend and all I hear and all I see is the bad stuff because I, because I want to, or because there's some level of self-interest in that mm-hmm. for me. And, and what was crazy about that moment is when I realized that the filter existed, uh, simultaneously, I, I saw her for who she was to me when I met her, which is, um, I mean, she's the mother of my four children, right. love of my life, a girl that I knew I wanted to marry, you know, shortly after I started dating her. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she became that again to me in an instant. Right. Because I understood something about how I viewed the world in a new way. And I it only that. takes a few of those moments in, in life, in, in business, to understand the power of coaching and the power of questions and the power of ongoing development. So I love that. I, I love I keep, that. I keep you doing know, it. You brought up a thought and, and this is something I've learned just recently. I've heard people say it for a long time, but it, it goes something like you get what you are. And so many people think opposites attract. And when you, you know, you were talking about that filter and most people I see struggling in life or complaining or they're frustrated with somebody, you know, really they, they neglect looking at how they are the problem and they always are pointing outward at other people being the problem. I'm guilty of, of the same thing. Right. So yeah, I, I think that's such a valuable lesson and it goes to the personal development thing and okay, I'm too good to go, learn something from somebody at, at something. Well, even if it was 10 grand, would it be worth it to spend 10 grand, 20 grand, 50 grand, a hundred grand? If you were going to pick up one thing like, like you did, that's going to change you and all your relationships and every other aspect of your life for the better. Like mm-hmm. people don't think of it that way. And I just think it's so valuable as, as we're, you know, encountering challenges with family, with friends, with circumstances, with jobs, with businesses. I can't believe, you know, the struggles you go through as an entrepreneur. I'm I'm earlier on my journey than you are, but you know, just the thought of like how many years had you been in business before you just completely walked away and started something new? I was uh yeah, I had been in with that in that industry for 11 years and with that wow. company for 9. Right. And I had a I had a a healthy a healthy amount of residual income that came in more than enough to pay for everything in my life. And I had to leave that mm-hmm. altogether and, and then wow. go into business where we started and, you know, and drained savings to almost, almost nothing. And before it started building back up just in time. Sure. So, yeah. To create that momentum. That's so hard. But, you don't, you you, know, but you're, you're not who you could be in those moments if you haven't right. became that person previously. Right. And, you know, I was at a, a course, uh, this last year, and we were talking about the you know, entrepreneurial journey. So you're, you're earlier in yours. One of the challenges we have as entrepreneurs and as human beings is comparison. And mm-hmm. well, human beings compare, but right. entrepreneurs, we definitely compare too. Yeah, like for sure. Part of, it's part of how we design process and, yeah. and growth, but it's so easy to look right. over at the other guy or the gal who is right. a little bit younger, but who's got five times more momentum or 10 times more volume or, or just net worth or whatever it is, right. the game that you're playing that you compare yourself to. And he mm-hmm. said something that was really impactful. He said, you've got to understand your entrepreneurial birthday. Mm-hmm. If you're going to compare yourself at all, 
you got to contextualize it a little bit better than age. Because yeah. if you know, I, I didn't fully embrace what it meant to go be an entrepreneur until I was 36 years old. Right. And so if somebody else is 25, but they've been doing it since they're 18 and maybe they grew up with it in their family, mm -hmm. we, we just were not the same. And to compare myself and pretend that I'm losing or winning, it's a very little value. Now, if it motivates you to go and contribute more to others and develop more yourself, great. But right. comparison is, uh, as somebody said this, the thief of all joy. It's oh, tricky. Yeah. 100%. I love that. You know, having the having that moment, I think I've recently had it. So I, you know, I'm really yeah. excited for the next couple of years. Cause you know, you do kind of get discouraged. It's like, okay, I'm not as far along as I thought I was going to be three years ago or, or whatever. Right. And then, you know, just the joy and the peace of going, I've learned some hard lessons. I've gone through some ups and downs and losses and some, you know, part of teams yeah. evaporating and things like that. Like every entrepreneur goes through and you, you kind of reach that point of like, okay, I, I got to get real with myself. Do that Jordan Peterson exercise where you sit on your bed and go, okay, yeah. I know what I have to do now. And then the question is, are you willing to do what it takes? Mm -hmm. Right. And, and many people, you know, that that's kind of the hard entrepreneur question. And most people just aren't willing to do what it takes. And, and there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. If that's not your calling, I'm kind of curious, you mentioned your calling is helping people to uh, realize their greatness. How did you land on your calling? What, how would you describe your calling to people? When did you feel called to have a bigger impact on the world? So that course I was talking about, Entrepreneurship and Autonomy course, the one that had me ask the question standing in my pool about what would I do? Yeah. That's the other big take. That, that's the other big takeaway from that course is, okay. and I would say one of, the, one of the intentions of that course is to get clear on your calling and who it is God puts you on this planet to be. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot of reading, thinking, and writing in that period of time to try to crystallize what that was for me. Mm -hmm. And I think your know, calling is always going to involve contributing to others because we're meant to contribute to others. We're meant to be in relationship to others. I, you know, a, a true calling is going to provide positive impact to others. Mm -hmm. And and for me, I, I think it's somewhat related to my my journey. I, th I think all of our callings are related to our journey in life. Right. But as I continue to discover more about who it is that that I could be for the world, and mm -hmm. then and that may sound really big and grandiose and I, it's just the way that things occur to me. Mm -hmm. And I pursue that. I, I realize that, that it's a very individual journey for me. Mm -hmm. And everybody's got that. Everybody's got some maximum capacity to contribute to the world. And the sooner, for the most part, the sooner you realize what that capacity is and the more intentionally you pursue it, the more likely it is that you achieve it or the, the more of it that gets achieved. Right. I, I don't know why, but I, I just love helping people to discover that that journey is available. Mm -hmm. And if at all possible, help them to take the first few steps or help them along the way. It, it's exciting, man. Growth is one of the most pure forms of, of happiness and fulfillment. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, and, and the proof, everybody's got proof in their life of this because you look right. at where you are, where you were a year ago. And if you've made progress and it doesn't matter if you compare yourself to anybody else, it really doesn't matter. If you look back at where you were and you made progress, you will mm -hmm. immediately have a sense of pride and accomplishment if you take the time to look back. Mm -hmm. And if that means you went from making $30,000 a year, and again, this is just one 
measurement of value. So money is definitely not the only, we could talk about many things, but it's easy to quantify. But if right. you went from making 30 to 50 to 70 to 150 to 500, you're gonna feel great about that because the mm -hmm. growth is there. And you're gonna feel similarly great as the person who went from 1 million to 3 million to 5 million to 50 million. It, it does 100%. not matter the volume, it matters the growth. And that, I mean, that that's true spiritually, that's mm -hmm. true um, emotionally, it's true for your relationships. I mean, it's right. why people who have been married 50 years and, and the lucky ones who have a deeper relationship at 50, mm -hmm. not just than that they had at 20 or 25 or when they were 22 years old, but you know, my goal is to have a deeper relationship at 50 than I had at 49 right. years. I mean, that that's, and if you, you know, like Chick-fil-A, for example, Dan Cathy, that, that company has grown 72 years in a row. Right. 72 years. Yes, the money gets big at some point, but the fulfillment and the contribution that happens as a, as a consequence of growth mm -hmm. is undeniably good. I absolutely love that. You know, I know you're a leader and a student of leadership. I'm reminded of uh, Maxwell and his story, one of the most famous leaders and, and authors on, on leadership. Um, yeah. I don't think he had now, nowadays, if you hire Maxwell to, to give a talk, I think, uh, an hour talk would cost you about half a million dollars <laughs> to get his time, but he didn't do his first paid speaking gig until he was, I believe 47 or 48. Wow. And so, you know, I think it's really important just to remember, and I, I was thinking back on my life the other day, you know, I've heard, um, you ever listen to uh, Earl Nightingale, the greatest secret yeah. Yeah. or, or, or uh, strangest secret in the world. You know, most people, when, when they actually have had goals, they've probably the vast majority, majority of the time achieved those in their life, whether it's going to college or graduating high school or making a sports team or, you know, getting married, having kids, owning a house. The things well, that they always saw themselves doing. Right. Exactly. I mean, most people, they're like, a, for some reason, they're afraid to, to imagine or see themselves doing anything bigger. Maybe it's the fear of failure. Maybe it's the criticism of others who say like, man, who are you to think you can do something great or change the world or start a podcast that's going to be in 38 countries or, or whatever GLE's in now? Like, you, you know, it, it's just amazing if you think back to the things you've actually, you know, maybe written down or planned for in your life, I bet anybody listening, you've probably achieved the vast majority of them. So, you know, think bigger. Let's let's yeah. figure out ways to think bigger. And, you know, if you feel that calling of making an impact, you can. You can make an impact right where you are in your family, in your business, in in the people you encounter day to day, knocking on doors, going to coffee shops, wherever you're going. Um mm -hmm. You know, that's just so cool. We're we're uh, enjoying this conversation with you, Peter. This is really fun. If y'all aren't following Peter, go follow him. He's at P as in Paul, V as in Victor, Swenson, S-W-E-N-S-O-N, at PV Swenson on Instagram, Peter Swenson on LinkedIn and Facebook. His company, Genesis Power Solutions, at Genesis Power Solutions on Insta or the website, www.gps.solar. And you got a podcast coming out soon? Yeah, so we have re, I guess I would say restarted, regenerated, revived a podcast that we launched. Uh, our first launch was right about the same time GLE launched, right before the first month of COVID. And 
we we went into hibernation a bit in in reality physically and and so did the podcast we brought it back last year we we just relaunched it uh this last week actually are we is the first one on there colin not yet okay so tomorrow technically is our is our third and i will commit to final relaunch <laughs> so that is my brother and i uh nice. talking about life leadership um, sales growth we we've done life together we've ran businesses together we both have you know kids we live close to each other we own the company together we both have twins actually surprisingly wow yeah we have four-year-old twins mine is a boy girl and then his is a boy boy and they all go to school together it's kind of crazy that's awesome yeah we um we grew up in theater and so just the sharing and talking and presenting like it's always been fun and a passion for us so it's exciting to to make some more steps towards just sharing uh, more of our journey with others so they can shortcut some steps. Cause it really, like it really is in the podcast world, it's about seeking wisdom. Yes, there's entertainment, but if you can learn from a, you know, we'll talk about uh, John Maxwell, for example, half a million dollars to listen, to have him speak for an hour live, but in an hour, he could never compress the amount of wisdom that you could mm-hmm. distill from one of his books. Any one right. of his books will right. be more valuable than the half a million that you have to spend to see him in person or that right. somebody would. Uh-huh. And, and a podcast are, are similar, but there is just so much content filled with, you know, to the brim with wisdom. Mm-hmm. And for those of us, those of you that are looking to grow, and maybe it isn't a $10,000 course. I, I did not start there. I've done that, but I did not start there. For me, it was, I mean, 500 bucks was a lot when right. I started paying for, for courses or development. Sure. But books were cheaper than that and more accessible. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of, of seeing yourself bigger than you are today and recognizing that there is a gap to be filled. So when I when I look at what we're doing at Genesis right now, I mean, we're playing a very big game. We have some incredibly talented people on the team um, internally and, and partnerships externally, and we are casting vision bigger than we know how to fill. To, like, to be really clear, I, I do not know how to go build a, a, a company that does a billion dollars in sales yet, but I know that it's possible. I know mm-hmm. I'm capable. And as, as you get more clear about that vision, mm-hmm. and if it's compelling, and especially if you're enrolling a lot of other people in it, you got no other option. I don't have right. an option but to get better. I'm either right. a liar to everybody that I've cast a vision to and with, or I'm going to do what it takes. And my, right. my, my history and my identity is that I will do what it takes, but, I, but I'm not there yet. Right. So I, I think to your point about dreaming and, and having a vision and seeing clearly when we do that mm-hmm. consistently, we are forced to either be a liar to ourselves or to step up to the challenge. And more often mm-hmm. than not, we're going to step up to the challenge. I love it. Boom. We're up on time. I usually ask a final question, but that nugget can be taken into three or four future generations and probably change countless lives. Peter, this has been a blast, man. Thank you so much for making some time to join Absolutely. me today on Go Lead Everything, man. Absolutely, Phil. Happy to be on and appreciate what you're doing. Yeah, man. Appreciate you and everybody what, listening in the GLE nation. I've got a question for you before you sign off. Here. Uh-oh. What, what is your, no, simple question. This isn't how it works, Peter. I'm the interviewer. <laughs> one. So what, what is your ultimate vision for GLE, the impact in the community? I am building a international network of strong leaders in a world starving for leadership and we want to have a network, an international network of millions of leaders around the world. And that's our goal. Awesome. And we're just empowering people, everyday people in all walks of life because we, the people, 
can really make a difference. And uh, somewhere along the way, we forgot that and gave over our uh, our ownership, gave over our responsibility to people who manipulate it and uh, take advantage of us and enslave us through usury and all sorts of other things. And we could probably talk about all, all that on a whole new episode. <laughs> yes, probably. But um, yeah, man, we need we need individual people to stand up right in their homes and stop sending their kids to government schools and take you. take ownership for getting the finances in place to actually uh, take care of their family to the level that uh, they need to in this world. So that uh, that's part of it, it, man. I'm aligned. I'm on the same mission. Awesome, so, brother. And, and every well, in every community, as small as they may be, the family, the neighborhood, the church group, that like every right. every micro community, there's they still need leaders. And, and I think, to your point, I think many many people have allowed somebody else to to bear the weight of that responsibility. And it's time for for the the general population to step up. A hundred percent. And I th- you know I think it goes to your experience in in faith. People have lost their identity. They they don't know who they are, and they especially don't know whose they are, mm-hmm. and and we are powerful children. We we are kings of the king, and we are entrusted with the earth to be stewards because none of this is ours, right? Our families, our our money. We're we're to be good stewards of of what's been given to us. So um, I appreciate your support, brothers. If there's anything I can do to help you, you know I would do it, and uh, I appreciate your support here too, man. Fantastic. Awesome. Everybody in GLE Nation, as you go, lead everything. If you think someone would benefit from hearing this episode or any of this content, please share it and send them over to GoLeadEverything.com to learn more. It has been amazing to hear about all the individuals who listen to and are getting value from the content here at GLE. Thank you for your support. You are the reason we do what we do. See you next time. Go Lead.